Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Like some food for thought? Tune in to Radical Philosophy with discussions on freedom, happiness, knowledge, evil and rational argument. With words from Midgley, Caputi, Adams, Stewart, Wolf, and Hagen Gruber. Let's get radical about philosophy. Thanks so much for tuning in to Radical Philosophy today. I'm your host, Beth Matthews, and I'm going to be speaking with Dr. Nardine Hamilton about Love Your Pets, Love Your Vets. This is part one of a two-part interview. Welcome to the program. Thank you. Thanks for having me. If this program has brought up any concerns or issues, you can call Lifeline on 13114. Also, you've got to look at the amount of skills that vets have because they're, they're treating, treating pets that can't actually speak and can't say my legs sore or you know my stomach hurts. Uh, imagine going exactly. to the doctor yourself and not speaking, just standing there. Exactly. And the doctor having to try, <laughs> try to figure it out. Yeah, to figure it out. And when you think about, you know, you, you take your, your pet to the vet and you say, well, they're a bit off colour, and it's like, well, okay, we'll start with the blood around and say oh there's a sore spot on their back so I mean what you're paying for is somebody who is incredibly skilled isn't it yes and you know as you said and I like that imagine just going to the doctor not speaking that's essentially what they're doing other than you know they've got the owner saying oh they've done this or they've vomited or they hurt their leg or whatever but the vet still has to figure it out and they do you know, receive criticism because people will say, oh, they wanted to do this, this and this. They just wanted to rip me off. It's like, well, hang on. If you went to the doctor and you suspected you'd broken your leg, you know, you would want to go and have that, you know, with the x-ray or have it scanned to make sure you've definitely have um, and find out exactly what's going on. Not just say the doctor, say, oh, let's just put a Band-Aid on it and just go home and see if it heals. Um, you know, so we need to find out, you know, for ourselves, we want to find out exactly what's going on and treat it so we, you know, make a full recovery, ideally. It's no different for the, the animals going to the vets to get that, that same level of treatment. But again, it's like, okay, well, to find out what's going on, I do need to do an x-ray. I do need to do the bloods. I do need to do that scan, you know, because again, you know, they, they can't see exactly what's going on inside that animal. The animal, you know, as we said, can't tell them what's going on. We can only go from what the owner or the carer has told them if that person is there, you know, if it's, if it's somebody's animal that's just been hit by a car and someone's found it on the side of the road and taken it in, then there's no history at all. It's like, we've got no idea. We just found the dog on the side of the road. Um, you know, so they've got to piece all of this sort of stuff together. And it's again, to make, you know, that gold, standard treatment you know this is the ideal what we would love to do to give your pet the best possible chance or 
you know, we could just sit here and see how it goes and do nothing, but then they'd get criticized for doing that. They get criticized for, you know, wanting to do the best. It's again, you know, when we put it in light of, you know, what we do as humans, we want the best possible outcomes for ourselves. And again, you know, if it's covered through Medicare or we're subsidized through Medicare, we tend to just go with it and not always question it. Whereas, you know, we don't have that luxury in the vet world. So they are, you know, charging because they want to do, you know, this is the best possible care. This is the best, you know, to give your animal the best chance, we need to find out exactly what's going on. And to do that, we have to do these tests or scans or x-rays to find out what's going on. So, but then they're criticised and then they're told, oh, you just, you know, you just in it for the money and you're so expensive. Like, well, these things do cost cost money <laughs> just like they do in the human world or any other business you know it's why I just don't understand why the the vets just have so much criticism towards them you know we we don't go to other occupations you know we wouldn't go into you know I certainly wouldn't go into my lawyer's office and say oh so how much do you earn you're just in it for the money you know I wouldn't go to the someone at the local supermarket and say how much do you earn um, you're just in it for the money. You know, when you think about it and people, most of us are working because we need the money to be able to pay our bills and our rent, our mortgages and all those sorts of things. Our vets are no different, you know, but they, they just have to put up with all of this other stuff that, and be criticised for it, um, you know, and it's just, it just seems so unfair that this is what's happening to them, you know, for, for doing a job that they are so passionate about and so unbelievably good at, <laughs> but they just don't always, I guess, get, get that respect and the recognition that, that they deserve. What sort of wage would vets be on and, and how much is it actually cost to be a vet? Yes, sorry, a little bit of that cut out. Um, did you say and how long does it take to be a vet? Was that um, how much part of would it actually cost to go through the training to be a vet? Right. Um, so um, the first answer to that question, the average salary for a new graduate vet um, is around $48,000 a year here in Australia. Um, and you work out that an hourly rate. <laughs> That's not very high if they're working full time. Um, the average vet salary, again, for a more experienced vet, you know, that might be like five to 10 years plus um, experience is around $78,000 a year. Um, again, very, very low in comparison to other professionals, you know, that may have gone through the same kind of training. Um, usually the degree um, here in Australia is five years to do the Bachelor of Vet Science, or if they go on and do their Doctor of Vet Science as well, that's extra um, extra time. Um, I'm not sure of the exact cost. I believe it's in the vicinity of $150,000 to do a um, Bachelor of Vet Science degree, but don't quote me on that. I'm not um, sure because I, I know some of the universities charge per subject and that can vary, um, but I, I have heard it's around $150,000. But again, I could be wrong, so I, um, <laughs> I stand corrected. I'm happy to. Um, but it's, it's certainly not cheap. And when you think about the salaries that they're on, you know, if you've got this really high vet um, student debt and you're only coming out earning $48,000 a year, um, you know, that's extra stress and pressure that that puts on having having this huge financial debt um, over your head that you're like, when am I ever going to be able to pay this off? <laughs> so, 
um, you know, when, when, when people say that they're in it for the money, it's like, well, actually, no, they're not. I know, um, you know, people without qualifications who are earning much more than them, you know, after the five, five years at uni minimum. Right, no, it's, it's, I'm actually quite shocked. It's not very much at all, oh, is it? Not, a, not at all, not at all. You know, and, and the, the downside of that, you know, if we want to be able to pay the, the vets more, then there's going to have to be some change, you know, to the financial structure of the business. Either the fees go up, which then people will complain about, um, you know, or they've got to try and cut costs. And remembering, you know, they're, if they're averaging less than 10% profit in a clinic, there's really not a lot of scope to move to be able to change that. Um, so it's, it's really a difficult situation. Again, you know, they, they're really doing it because they're so passionate about what they're doing. It, it's not about the money, despite what people think, you know, and clearly when we look at, you know, their salary and their debt that they have, um, you know, it, there is, it's just, that's what I mean. It just seems so unfair to me that the, the vets are, are, are targeted and bullied. Um, you know, for this, just for, for doing a job they're so passionate about, they, they spend a lot of time studying for, incur a huge student debt, and then come out, you know, pretty poorly paid for the most part at the end of it. So it's, it's very, um, very sad. And as you can tell, I'm very passionate about it, um, you know, and, and getting that awareness out there. Um, because if you think, you know, imagine if we shook the world upside down, and we tipped all the vets and all the vet nurses and our vet techs and, um, you know, all our, our vet workers out and then uprighted the world again and they were, we didn't put any of the vet staff back in, where would we be, you know? So we might not have to take our animal to the vet every day, but what happens, you know, if, heaven forbid, your pet got hit by a car, who would you go and take it to? You would expect the vets to be there for you and to help your animal, Imagine if they weren't there to do that. Um, you know, if your animal got sick, it got ill, we take it to the vet. Imagine if they weren't there to do that, you know, and how much our animals would potentially end up suffering if we didn't have these people there to do it. And unfortunately, um, you know, the attrition rate, some recent research that was done in, across Australia and New Zealand by the Lincoln Institute um, suggested the attrition rate um, is around, I think it was 38%. Um, so there's a lot of vets leaving the profession. There's globally a shortage in vets um, because they're either leaving the profession or sadly, worst case scenario, taking their lives. Um, because again, you know, all of these factors that are going on that they're just like, I just can't do it. I can't cope with it. This isn't the job that I expected it to be, you know, and so they're, they're leaving. And it's, you know, it's like you're right about the the respect. I mean, people um, still have that have that respect for lawyers or doctors, but it's mm -hmm. like I, I think they have a different view. Are oh, that they're, they're only treating my pet? They're only a vet. Mm. Yes, respect and and it is, it is quite astonishing because you know pets are part of our family, so you would think that people would actually be quite respectful of, of vets and respect their their opinion on things and um, especially my vet who, who is quite wonderful but he um one of one of our dogs was last week just um, diagnosed with Cushing's and oh gosh he actually commented about 
at all that somebody else came in and uh, when he diagnosed the, the tetanus, they said, oh, well, I just have to have it put down. I can't afford the medication. And he said, no, it can, you know, it can still, um, you know, live a fairly good life even without the medication. There's no need to, to have it put down straight away. And I think by, yeah. by saying that, he sort of would take that, um, stress away from people who think, oh, gee, I really can't afford this expensive. Yes. Yes. You know, it's sort of a, it's sort of a very caring way to actually, um, to, to put things to people, um, yes. people who are, you know, genuinely can't afford medication for their dogs. But yep. I think that we, sh we should think that the, the vets are being so compassionate towards people we have to try and think of ways to to return the favour and to be compassionate towards them. And um, also, I had to have a, my Stella, my 14-year-plus rescue dog, and she needed her teeth to be cleaned and scaled, and she had to go under anaesthetic. And, mm -hmm. you know, at, at her age, uh, it, it's a big risk, and she's eight yes. likely you know, um, to die under anaesthetic than a, than a younger dog. So I actually said to the vet, look, it's okay if you lose her. We've all said our goodbyes. Mm -hmm. It's okay. Don't get stressed about it. And I think he was really pleased that I'd actually said that. So well, what other ways can, can we actually be compassionate and respectful towards our vets? Yeah, um, I think the, the first thing is just being kind. <laughs> it costs nothing to be kind. Um, and genuinely saying thank you. Um, you know, like biting your tongue. Um, and I know some people think they're really funny with, you know, making a snide remark. But you have to remember, you know, these the vets, they may have started their day of consultations doing vaccinations on puppies and kittens, you know, so the whole really cuteness of it, it's like, yep, this is great. Then they might have an emergency come in and that could be an animal that's been hit by a car and needs urgent surgery. So they have to, you know, sort of stop what they're doing, going and treat the emergency. They generally will forfeit their lunch breaks, um, you know, morning tea and afternoon tea. I don't think they ever get those. Um, you know, often I'll, I'll talk to a vet and say, oh, gosh, I don't even think I've had a drink of water today um, or having a bathroom break, those sorts of things, because they just keep on going. Um, so they might go to this emergency, then they might come back in, they might have to put somebody's beautiful pet to sleep, then put on their happy face and go back into a kitten vaccination, then there's another emergency. So they're, you know, they're just this emotional roller coaster. And I think most of us just don't stop to think what they may be going through. So some of that compassion and empathy, you know, and Again, if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all, um, but just be kind. And again, it doesn't mean you have to send chocolates and flowers and, you know, gifts or anything like that. I mean, absolutely, they're, they're lovely things to do and I know that they are appreciated, but not everybody can afford that and it's not always necessary. A genuine thank you or just writing them a note or sending them a card, um, you know, and just to say thank you, I really appreciate what you did. Those sorts of things can go a very long way to help them feel respected and validated. And I mean, I, I think that's all any of us want, isn't it? You know, to feel that, you know, to get that thank you because they, they, they can work in a very thankless job sometimes. And 
you know, just being nice. You know, as I said, it costs nothing to be nice. You know, how would you feel if, you know, you're, you're just there and you've gone to your job and whatever that may be, maybe you work in an office or maybe you work in a supermarket or maybe you're a cleaner or maybe you are a professional person and you're going about your job. How would you feel if every single person that came in one after the other was abusing you and having a go at you for just being in it for the money, um, you know, and you don't really care about it, um, about your job because if you did, you would do this for the love of it. Uh, it's like, great, okay. So when I go to my mechanic because he's passionate about mechanics and cars, does that mean that he should service my car for free? You know, it's that same mentality. So it's really stopping and thinking, hang on, how would you like it? If you're just going about your business and trying to do your job and people were coming in and accusing you, if a mistake is made, um, you know, it, it's certainly not helpful to say, oh, they need to be sacked. Um, you know, you need to go. We need to be reporting you. We all make mistakes. And again, just, you know, put yourself in their shoes. How would you feel if someone treated you that way? Um, you know, and it's, you know, goes back to that old saying, what does it do unto others as we would do to ourselves or something like that? It's, um, you know, again, it, it's just, it's free to be kind and just say thank you. Um, you know, and genuine, I don't mean a sarcastic or passive aggressive thank you, but a genuine thank you, you know, just to acknowledge it. Thank you so much for your help today you know, simple things like that, um, you know, and absolutely, you know, like nice reviews and things like that, that can go a long way. The cards, the letters, um, I think nearly every vet would have a special drawer or something with all the cards that they've had from clients over the years that they just have to one side, um, you know, that you just pull out when you need, you need a lift or they'll have like a gratitude board, you know, where they have the cards from the customers up on a cork board or something like that in a, you know, in the waiting room or in a consult room, just so they've got those reminders that, you know, there's still a lot of beautiful people out there. There are a lot of really kind, generous, compassionate people. Um, but it's, you know, the, the minority that are having this negative impact and, Again, it's just educating people so that people are more aware. Um, you know, if you knew that someone you were talking to was susceptible to burnout and suicide, ordinarily, I mean, I know I certainly would, I would be extra cautious. I wouldn't be doing something to exacerbate it, knowing, you know, knowing full well that my behaviour could be a contributing factor to what's going on for this person. Um, and again, I think it it is that education. Not, not a lot of people are aware that this is what's going on within the vet profession. So it's, it's education and awareness, um, you know, to, to start getting that out there and, and helping people understand what's going on and, you know, having those discussions um, with the vet staff. Like, wow, I had no idea that your job was actually really stressful, you know, and getting that dialogue. Cause again, it's showing that understanding or again, if you don't want to get into that discussion, just saying thank you you know, just zip it <laughs> if, it's, if it's nothing nice, but just saying thank you. Is there anything else you'd like to add that we haven't already discussed? Um, I don't know. See, I tend to talk and just carry on and <laughs> I get on my little, um, <laughs> my spiel to, to get everything out there. I think it is just those, those general things about, um, you know, being aware of why um, there is such a high rate of burnout and suicide in this profession and what we can all do to make a difference but also understanding um, you know as we said there's no petty care for our pets so it can seem expensive but when we break it down you know in comparison to 
our human medical care, there's really not a massive um, different like if we had to pay for our human medical care the cost would be pretty high um, it's just that it's subsidized so thinking of these things if you don't understand ask you know if if you have a concern about something just talk to them about it rather than going away and then um you know muttering something under your breath or being rude to them you know talking to them you know and sort of saying look my budget is this what am i able to do on this budget um, you know, because generally they'll, they'll be happy to try and work around with you. Um, and again, you know, absolutely, who wouldn't want the gold standard for, for their pet? But if that isn't financially feasible, then, okay, what is the next best thing we can do? So I know that there are a number of vets will say, okay, well, what is your budget? And let's work around what we can do. You know, ideally, we would really want to do this. But if that's not going to be possible, then this is what, what we'd be looking for. And this is the potential outcomes that you may expect. Um, you know, and, and understanding that it's your responsibility as a pet owner. It's not the vet's fault. <laughs> you know, it's not the vet's fault that, you know, if your animal um, has something wrong with it, you know, that that would normally just part and parcel same as us it's not a necessarily our doctor's fault if you know we bang our arm and hurt our arm or something like that so it's just i guess having that understanding um you know that they're there to help our pets you know and, and help us to be able to provide the best that we can for our pets um they're not the enemy and i guess it, it sort of feels like that's how people see them sometimes and having that understanding that they're really not that well paid for for the work they do and we couldn't be without them. You know, our pets couldn't be without them. So, you know, I think we, we, we do need to start having that understanding and, and a bit more respect and compassion towards them, um, you know, to help change these shocking um, statistics that we have. Um, with love your pet, love your vet, um, yes. how do people go about contacting the organisation? Sure. Um, so we have a website. Um, so it's www.loveyourpetloveyourvet.com.au. Um, you can actually see our campaigns. We had a, a series of videos um, on there with actual practicing vets just talking about some of these different things that we've identified and that we've talked about today. Um, so you can actually watch those, those videos. I think there's about 14 of them all together. There's different resources on there. So we've got resources for vet professionals, some resources for the community, um, different things, you know, like there's, there's books and uh, merchandise and all of those sorts of things, you know, to be able to get out there and start spreading awareness or, um, you know, helping um helping other people or helping those in the profession as well um, we have facebook and instagram both under love your pet love your vet uh, there's contact forms as well on the website you know so if someone does want to get in touch they can fill out a contact form and that'll come come through to us as well um, i think yeah that's that's sort of the main areas um, we are working on a new campaign um, at the moment so we're we're just sort of fine-tuning all of that and then how that'll look so really looking forward to getting a new campaign happening as well but um, yeah generally the website has you know would be the starting point with information there's a little bit more detail about what goes on and you know different links to things as well different links to um, blogs and interviews those sorts of things if people want to um, pardon me learn more and hear more again the different resources 
their different gifts and things like that that are are there you know so if someone wanted to just buy a card you know you can get online we've got discount codes to um, an organization called thankly where you can buy gifts and cards online and send them off to your your vet clinic or might be your, your friend or your neighbor it doesn't have to be someone from the vet but we want it we'd love for it to be for the vet profession um, and just there's lots of different books on there um, you know that there's general ones like about animal first aid um, We've got another one on there. It's just been released by Dr. Claire Stevens, who's a, a good vet colleague and friend of mine. Could love your dogs. It's all about how to look after your dog. Um, Dr. Alex Hines, who's one of the Bondi vets, there's a link on there to her book as well, you know, which is all about that um, first aid for your dog. But there's other books on there as well. You know, a lot of them are very... Um, specific to the vet profession but there are some general ones there if you want to get educated my own book on there coping with stress and burnout as a veterinarian um, is on there which again if people want to understand more about what's going on um, and why um, the statistics are the way they are then that'll go into it. that's essentially my doctoral research all into one um, handy little self-help book but it also a great gift if you want to support your vet team um, you know buying them a book and going here you go there's you know coping skills in the back of it um you know i've i've given it to my own vet team as well i i arm myself up with gifts every time i go in there because i just can't help myself um, and I, I love i love giving and i love spoiling them and making them feel special and valued so i'm always looking around like what else have i got that i could take in um we've got little mascots that are um crocheted mascots that are um most animals is dogs cats koalas giraffes unicorns horses um yeah there's loads of things and then um the proceeds of that are donated to love your pet so again there's just so many different things on the website where you can go and look we've got t-shirts mugs um yeah we've got got a lot of stuff on there <laughs> as well to just help help educate but also having some um resources there as well Great. Well, thanks so much for coming onto the program today. No, you're welcome. Thanks so much for having me and um, helping us to get the word out there. It's much appreciated. I've been speaking with Dr Nadine Hamilton about Love Your Pet, Love Your Vet. This is part two of a two-part interview. If this program has brought up any concerns or issues you can call Lifeline on 13114. Well, we've got a real treat for you today. We're going to be listening to Nesam Dorma and You Rise Me Up. On piano is Magella Drew, tenor Bhutan Shah, more commonly known as Bhutan the Singing Vet. This is from a charity concert for Wildlife Victoria. <laughs> 